KUT's AT Explained is back with a brand new season. Our first episode, what's up with that tower in Clarksville? I've heard it called the Clarksville Eiffel Tower, the tower, the leaning tower of Clarksville, all those names. Subscribe to AT Explained wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget our next AT Explained live show at the Paramount Theater on April 3rd. Brand new stories told live on stage. Get your tickets at austintheater.org. Support for AT Explained Live comes from Meals on Wheels Central Texas and World Interiors. From KUT and KUTX Studios. And welcome to the sixth episode of This Song, the podcast that asks artists to talk about one of their important songs. One of those songs that, for whatever reason, hit them in the right place at the right time and stuck with them. Maybe it opened them up to new musical possibilities. Maybe it inspired future work. Whatever it is, we know that certain songs can have a serious effect on your life. And we want to hear about them. This week, we'll hear from the Johns of They Might Be Giants. Yay! John Flansburg and John Linnell. And in this episode, we're doing things a little differently than we have in the previous five episodes. Thus far, I have always been the interviewer. But in this episode, the interviewing will be done by Bill Childs. Bill is the creator of Spare the Rock, Spoil the Child, a music program that seeks to bring cool music to the kids and to their parents. It's definitely the hippest kids music show out there, and it airs every Sunday night at 6 p.m. on KUTX, as well as on tons of stations around the country. There's also an in-demand stream on SpareTheRock.com, which is really my way of telling you that you should check out Spare the Rock, Spoil the Child. Anyway, They Might Be Giants came into Studio 1A to perform before one of their shows here in Austin back in May. And afterwards, Bill interviewed them for Spare the Rock, Spoil the Child. And then afterwards, they were nice enough to sit down with Bill for a little longer and chat with him about important songs for this podcast. And I want to point out that those guys did three interviews in a row, which is a lot. And I really appreciate them taking the extra time for this podcast. First, we're going to hear from John Flansburg, who chose a song from when he was a young boy. There's actually a lot more, but I'm going to let you listen to it. So here he is, John Flansburg. Sort of starting off here is just to tell us about one of your important songs. And I realize you probably have a book full of important songs, but just a song that's been important to you. Uh, uh, just in the abstract, any any song that's been important to me. There's so many songs that have been important yeah. to me. Uh, the Batman theme is important to me. Okay. Um, uh, uh, how how old do you think you were when you first heard the Batman theme? Uh, I I uh, I was six years old when I first heard the Batman theme. And you remember and, uh, how it made you feel when you were six years old? When you super the excited. What What about it made you excited? Um, just like the sort of the relentless power of the riff was um, was just really really boggled my mind. And I actually uh, took uh, I got like a, a five dollars from my grandmother, and I took my birthday money uh, and my I sort of dragged my dad down to the Leechmere Sales, which had the real version of the uh, the Batman soundtrack, not the uh, not the sort of exploitation. There was a lot of but Batman theme exploitation albums out that were much cheaper. So I, I actually paid full retail for uh, 
my Batman. It was in the soundtrack section, you know, so, so it, cost, what, it cost three dollars. What was, was the difference between the, the exploitation version and was the real? Well, they weren't the actual television theme. Like I really wanted the actual music that was on the TV show. Oh, okay. So the other ones might have been other people playing. The yeah, they're just doing. They're just doing covers. And who was it that performed the Batman? It's Nelson Riddle. Is Nelson that right? Riddle okay. Yeah, but it was uh, 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 Neil Conti. Neil Hefty was the uh, composer. He um, was Count Basie's. Um, he wrote the Odd Couple theme and okay. a lot of other things as well. So, um, I, I mean, I, I, obviously it wasn't the lyrics to Batman that most struck you, but you said it was the relentlessness of it. Well, I mean, that sort of tension chord in the vocal is also very rock to me. And what were you listening to before that, I guess, when you were I mean, six? I uh, you know, because my grandmother gave me these birthday checks, I always bought record albums when I was a little kid, and, they were, and I would just listen to the same record over and over again. You know, for a year <laughs> until the next one until the came next along. check came along. Yeah, I mean the next. I mean, the, I think the first one was "Hard Day's Night" by the Beatles. It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. It's been a hard day's night. Yeah, which was like an interesting education in sort of kitsch versus real music because all the instrumentals were these sort of Muzaki versions of Beatles songs. Every other song was was a George Martin instrumental. Oh, okay. Because, again, it was a soundtrack record. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it was, had these schmaltzy version of Beatles songs. And, and then, then you'd have the... And, but and then it, the, the real, yeah, real full-blooded full Beatles song would come on. And then the next after year after that, it was the Batman record. And then at some point, it, um, I got Hair, the soundtrack to Hair, which was a total mind-bender for me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what the other ones were. Oh, the monkeys. I got the monkeys. Monkeys at the monkeys headquarters. We were born to love one another. This is something we all need. We were born to love one another. We must be what we're going to be. Then hair. Then at some point, in the, I think, in the God of Vida. Interesting and, childhood. Uh, in a god of a freedom, honey, don't you know that I'm loving you? In a god of a freedom, baby, don't you know that I'll always be true? Yeah, I mean, I was nine, ten. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, have you ever ch- consciously or, or, or retrospectively realized that you were writing a song that has a more, like, a fairly direct connection to, the, to that Batman theme song? Oh, I mean, I think any anybody who's like sort of in the business, and I think especially for guitar players who tend to be sort of riff oriented, it's hard. You know, just riffs in general are always kind of swirling in your mind. And I mean, a riff is a very strange kind of music um, because uh, 
they are as as different as some as riffs can be. There's something uh, that links them all together. You know, there actually are just it's like it's like a it's a just um it's a kind of musical expression that is. Uh, elemental. Yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely elemental. Um, uh, I mean, on the subject of songwriting and, and riffs, I have to say that we were on the road once and I bought... No, um, I saw a band called the Pussy Willows that did a song called Hillbilly Drummer Girl live at CBGB's, and it had been written for them by the band The Young Fresh Fellows. And I just heard them play the song. I'd never heard the song before. And we went away on the road... Um, came back, wrote some songs, wrote this new song that I thought was super great, went back out on the road, bought like a dollar cassette of the Young Fresh Fellows, and this song came on, and I couldn't understand how they had stolen my idea for the song. <laughs> she came down from the Ozarks To the big city that this world She's a legend and a How'd they travel back in time? Yeah, yeah, because basically, <laughs> because basically I was like, this is the riff to my new great original song. Because it's got this very powerful guitar thing in it. It's just, and, uh, and then I realized that I'd actually heard this band play this song in a completely different context, but I'd only heard it, you know, in, one in passing, one, you know, so just incidental. But it was strong enough that it, like... I, I, it kind of embedded itself in my mind. Have you ended up using that riff in any, or have you still? I ended up it? covering the song. I, I actually, oh, okay. I, I, I was, I felt very fortunate that I discovered the song before. Before I, you got accused of before, plagiarism. Before I blatantly <laughs> ripped it off, uh, because it would have been super embarrassing. I mean, you know, we have a song that actually name checks the Young Fresh Holes, and it's not like yeah. they wouldn't know that we know who they are. <laughs> That's excellent. Well, John Flansburg from the Mega Giants, thanks for taking a few minutes. That was my pleasure. Thanks. Ozarks to the big city Memphis world. She's a legend and a landmark. So much good music, and this that you are listening to is the John Flansburg cover of Hillbilly Drummer Girl, done by his side project Monopuff. Now, I really wanted to include in this episode the original Pussy Willows version of the song, and I searched high and low on the internet and I found it. But it was not in any kind of downloadable form. I found the unreleased recording on SoundCloud. So if you go to the This Song page on the KUTX website, you can find the link to that version of Hillbilly Drummer Girl that I found on SoundCloud by the Pussy Willows. That version that struck John so hard that he went out and wrote the song again. And it's a pretty great version, actually. I highly recommend listening to it. And how about that childhood record collection? (laughs) It's such a lost time, that time when music was precious because it wasn't terribly accessible. And like one record could last a kid a whole year. And I don't think that there's any child now who understands what it used to be like when music just wasn't surrounding you at every moment. I really enjoyed hearing that. Next up, we'll hear from John Linnell, and whereas John Flansburg was really struck by guitar riffs, it was lyrics that caught John Linnell's attention when he was a kid. There's a, there's a lot of songs, and it's hard to it's hard to uh, uh, nail down one in particular. But um, 
but I can pick one out at random, more or less. Sure. Uh, let's, that, so, that what's would, the random song? I would say, well, there, but I had this record when I was growing up that I think belonged to my mom uh, because the record came out in the 50s before I was born. Um, but it was called uh, uh, Songs of the Pogo, and it's a collection of songs that were originally appeared in the Pogo comic strip by Mr. Walt Kelly. Um, and uh, so it was a whole album of these things, which, which were lyrics that appeared in the comic that somebody then set to music. And in fact, I think Walt Kelly even sings on one of the tracks. And it's a really crazy record. If you're familiar at all with the work of Walt Kelly and Pogo and stuff, it's a kind of unique style of... Yeah, it's sort of hard writing. to imagine. I, I I haven't read a lot of Pogo, but I've read some of them, and and it's hard to imagine what that would. Look, yeah, it it would be hard like. to imagine, and it could have been any number of things. But this particular project they came up with was, you know, they got some singers, and it's it's a night, it's a pre rock and roll kind of thing. So it's 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 very um, well. It sounds like a little bit like pop music from the mid fifties, but possibly intended for kids but also obviously enjoyed by adults well like um, pogo itself i guess right like pogo itself so the song my favorite song off the record was called par snoops p-a-r-s-n-o-o-p-s i don't know if you can get a hold of a copy of this to play <laughs> for the podcast it, 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 it's 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 hard to kind of represent it accurately without hearing it but um the uh, the uh, well i can do me to tell you the lyrics yeah uh, sure roughly. the the uh the the my memory of the lyrics is the par the parsnips were snipping their snappers while the parson was parceling the peas, and parsing a sentence from handle to hand was a hornet who hummed with the bees. That's just the first stanza. Oh, the parsnips were snipping their snappers while the parsley was parsing the peas, and parsing a sentence from handle to hand was a hornet who hummed with the bees. The turnips were passing the time of the day in the night of the moon on the porch. With the shade from the shadows so sharp, funny shrift that the sky was screeched in the scorch. And, and uh, as a, as a kid, I was, you know, excited by it sort of musically. And then as I got older, I was like, this this song is gets deeper. The more I kind of the more I know about music and lyrics and stuff, it's it 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 turned out to have be a kind of a song that kept giving. Yeah. So how old were you roughly when you first started? When I first started, who knows? I was probably you know five or something. But I didn't I didn't really become obsessed with the album until probably I was in my teens. And do you still have that record? I, I have a copy. Um, I, I have Actually, you know what? I have my mom's crappy old copy, and then someone was kind enough to uh, to, to send me a, a, a less ruined pressing. Um, and I think you can get it on a CD now, actually. And what cool. was it that struck you the most about it? I mean, it sounds like it kind of shifted over time. It, it did, yeah. I think, I think at first it seemed like the words were nonsense, and then I started to realize that there was a sense to them, and um, and it was you know it was something that kept giving. It was it, often often with a lot of those songs there was a kind of ambiguity to them that was never resolved. But uh, in some cases you realize there was something very specific that he was referencing. Um, you know, in some case, I mean, you may know like uh, uh, Pogo had often had a political bent in right. the in the fifties. He was making fun of Joe McCarthy uh, in the form of a sort of cat character. Right. Uh, so there was a political edge to it that was obviously for adults. Um, and, you know, it just had a lot of dimensions to it. 
And uh, have you ever made either explicit or sort of in your head reference to it in, we, in a, the we, John and I covered other songs from that album actually. Is that right? We, we did it we did we did a cover of a song called uh uh Whence That Wince. And I think there might have been one other one that we that we I'm forgetting now. Uh we've we played more than one song off of that album. We never played Parsnoops. That was that was a hard one to pull off. And would you say that there's been uh any particular song that you've written that you feel like has a, a more direct connection to that song? Uh, I, can't, I, I don't think I could put my finger on it exactly, um, but I, th- I would say it definitely definitely influenced me in, in overall. Cool. Well, John Linnell from They Might Be Giants, thanks for taking the time to chat about it. Thank you. Nice talking to you again. This is Wince that... Wince, and once again, I wanted to include the They Might Be Giants version of it, but I couldn't find a released copy of it. They recorded it and didn't release it, but they made a video for the song. And if you go to the KUTX This Song page, you can find a link to that video of Wince That Wince, as well as a link to their Studio 1A performance from May 15th, 2015, when they came in and they performed in Studio 1A, then they performed for Bill on Spare the Rock, and then they talked to Bill again for this song. Those guys are definitely the hardest working band at KUTX, um, and I want to thank them again. And that's it. This song is a production of KUTX. It was recorded by Cliff Hargrove, produced and edited by myself, Elizabeth McQueen, with help from David Sanger. Thanks to Bill Childs for being such a delightful interviewer, and to Peter Babb for actually suggesting that I ask Bill to do the interviewing. That was a good idea. Our theme music is Mahoot by Austin's own hardproof Afrobeat. You can tweet us at this song KUTX, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, maybe you want to leave a review or a rating? I don't know. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. KUT's next AT Explained Live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.